We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmala Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. I am so excited for tonight's podcast episode featuring Martha Hunt Handler, who is a published novelist, the author of a mystery novel called Winter of the Wolves, which is based on a true story of mystery and suspense. During this interview, Martha shared pieces from her childhood that formed who she is today, including her love of nature, animals, and in particular wolves and how they helped guide her journey. We spoke about letting things flow, the importance of listening to our intuition and gut feelings, and the differences between giving into anxiety or fear versus listening to our gut. She also shared her why and what inspired her to write her novel, the process of getting her book published, and the challenges she overcame along the way. I am so excited for you to hear this episode. I can't wait for you to learn and be inspired. I grew up in the... Uh... Northern Illinois on the Wisconsin border. And at the time it was very rural. I had two older brothers who were uh, seven and nine years older than me. So they didn't really want a lot to do with me. So I ended up by myself walking around the woods around my house, which I could do when I was really young. And I realized that I could hear the voices of plants and animals, distinctively different voices, um, saying all different things, uh, a little scared because they felt I guess they felt disturbance was on the way. And I kept telling my parents, who of course didn't believe me that I was hearing these voices, or maybe were afraid that I was insane and what they were gonna do to me. Um, I feel like there was always a deep desire to be a writer. And I wrote my first book when I was seven. I gave it to my father who said that the story wasn't very good and my drawings were horrible and that writers didn't make money. And so I really put it out of my mind. But the thing that stuck with me is I must be here to be a voice for nature since no one else seems to be able to have this gift that I have. So fast forward, I graduated high school early at 16. I, um, my car broke down in Steamboat, Colorado. So I stayed there for a year and got my residency to go to school. And the same thing started happening. I was hearing voices really loudly there too, because it was about to go undergo big upheaval. So I graduated in environmental conservation at the time in 81. This wasn't a major, I don't think anywhere. <laughs> it would soon you know, not be the case, but in that time, uh, there wasn't any degrees like that. And I ended up being an environmental consultant in Washington, DC, and then moved around a lot to San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York. But just, you know, in the back of my mind, it was like, this work is okay. It's just not what my heart is telling me what I'm supposed to be doing. And when I was very young, I always had a black wolf that showed up in my dreams to kind of show me another path to take. And when we moved to New York, it's about an hour outside of New York North. 
I started hearing wolves howling and I couldn't understand why I could be hearing that since wolves have been wiped out of New York about 125 years before that. So I walked in the woods one day and found three wolves in an enclosure next to a trailer. I knocked on the door and there was a young French girl and she told me that she wanted to open up the Wolf Conservation Center to help wolves. And she asked me if I wanted to help her. And it just felt like, yes, that synchronicity of, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This feels 100% right. I'm ready to jump in with both feet. This is what I need to do. Wow, that's really cool. Okay, so you have such a fascinating story. And I know that I will talk about this soon, that you wrote your book based on your what happened to you. But I would love to backtrack a little bit and talk about you talk about hearing voices. So what do you mean exactly regarding the animals and hearing voices? Was it kind of in your head? Or did you actually hear something? Like, how does it work? It felt like it was real, but it was in my head. Like I would imagine if you were standing right next to me, you probably wouldn't hear it because it's coming at you almost from within. It's very hard to explain. I guess I've never had, never, no one's ever asked me that question before, but I could tell who was talking, you know, and sometimes I couldn't see the animal and they would kind of direct me to where they are. A lot of times rabbits, because there was a lot of rabbits in those woods for some reason. And they were so well hidden in the brush that it was hard to, and they would be like, oh, don't step on me. You know, like, cause you know, it's really easy to step on rabbits, um, especially during the time when they're all being born. Um, and the trees were much older, much older wisdom, much deeper thoughts coming through. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's really cool because I'm totally fascinated by these things. I know people who have different like Claire, Voyant, Claire, whatever. I, you know, I, I don't know. What other ones? It's Claire Audio or something? Claire, Claire Audio. That's mine. Okay. Um, Claire Satiant. I think you get feelings. Right. Some people get whole videos playing in front of them, which would be very cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Right. So that, that's why I was wondering if it was like the thoughts that just come into your head or like external voices. So you started hearing these voices and you were getting messages from the plants and the animals. What did you do? So you said you went to your parents? I went to my parents. My dad was very dismissive, but my mother was always right on with me, you know, that, that we're all one and how lucky for you that you get to hear this. I wish I could hear it. Um, she was also really good at telling me to believe in my, my gut feelings about things. Um, so, you know, I don't care if your dad's negative to you, if your gut is telling you this is what you're hearing and feeling, then, then it's real. So that was huge for me. Cause I think so many, so many young people do not grow up feeling good about their own intuition. And I think it's just the most amazing gift that we have. And I was, I had a discussion with someone the other day about that I think you really need to get good at figuring out the difference between when say you have fear, if it's fear coming from the gut, I think it's picking up negative energy and you need to react to it and do something. If it's just that negativity in your head that almost freezes you from doing anything because it's, it's telling you you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not, you know, this and that, then, and it doesn't get you anywhere. It's not, that's not the fear you want to listen to, right? You have to kind of somehow try to separate your head from your gut because they're two very different things. And the, the voices that come into our head a lot of times are not the most helpful voices, you know? They right. get people really stuck, right? And it's, yeah, not good. 
That's so true. I love that you mentioned that about, you know, separating the feelings of your gut telling you to do something versus fear, because I think that's something that so many women struggle with. Yes. And it's so important. It's a muscle. It's really a muscle. You have to learn how to, how to use it and you'll strengthen it. And then one day you'll be able to really notice the difference. I was just thinking about this the other day because a friend of mine is trying to quit smoking after 40 years. And she was, and she said, oh, the voices are killing me. I said, what are the voices? And she's like, you know, you're so much more fun when you smoke. You love the taste of tobacco. You quit drinking already. This is going to be your only voice. Come on, have fun with it. You know? And she's like, it just is driving me nuts all day long. And I'm like, yeah. How many people are always just constantly dealing with it? Go ahead, eat that cookie. It's not going to matter. It's only right. one cookie. It's like- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And I I love that your mom encouraged you to listen to your gut because that is huge. That that means that she gave you that ability to start strengthening your intuition and and your 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 muscles, your gut muscles yes. early on. I remember in high school and I'd say, you know, I was thinking about going to this party and I don't know, do you think I should go? And she'd be like, "Well, what does your gut say?" And you know, I hated listening to my gut because I knew that it was going to tell me you shouldn't go. Bad things are going to happen there. <laughs> and I love that she put it on back onto me. Like, you know, you know what you should be doing right now. I'm not going to tell you. Right. Right. I love that. And did you listen to your gut or you like learned from your experience to listen to it? A few times I didn't. And it always got me into trouble. I mean, a hundred percent of the time when I try to ignore my gut, it's, it's not, doesn't have a good outcome. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I feel you. I have experienced the same. And I'm always like, why didn't I listen to my to myself? Like, yes. why didn't I trust my intuition? Yes. And especially about people, I think, you know, that's a really strong one. And I think your body knows and you shouldn't try to second guess why it's having these feelings about somebody. It's just like, don't trust them. Don't let them in. They're not, they're not good for you. Right. It's so true. Especially danger. Like your body alerts you to danger. Yes. Yeah. Big time. Right. One of my favorite books is The Gift of Fear. Um, and he works with people that have been raped and horribly assaulted, uh, David DeBecker. And he tries to get you to go back to that place when you first felt something and saw something. And he, he makes you realize how many tips that you had along the way before you made that one faithful bad decision to let the guy help you with the groceries or uh, to let them close your trunk, the car, or, you know, whatever it was that you did have power and you were getting messages and you were not listening to any of them. And so this will never happen to you again, because now you're going to be listening to it. So I think he just opens you up to believe so much in your gut that you'll, you'll stop yourself from getting into bad situations. That's so interesting. Wow. I love that. I thought it was very interesting that your father said writers don't make money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've heard that so many times in, in different capacities, obviously, in the arts, usually writers, singers, dancers, whoever it is. Um, so how do you feel about that now? Like looking back? I think when you're following the path that you were put to be on, you know, and you're using all of your talents, the money will come. And yeah, I truly believe that. You know, I was listening to a, a little interview today with uh, Oprah and this woman asked, does she do vision boards? 
And she said, I don't need to do vision boards anymore because I can instantly manifest whatever I need by putting myself in the feeling of what it would be like if I got to interview this person or if I got to be in, on this island. Like I, I create it inside my body and that it happens really quickly, which I thought was really interesting because I still have vision boards all over the place. But someone was saying this too about the secret, you know, that the law of attraction works better when you can actually feel the way it would feel if you received what you want to receive. And from everything I've read, if, if money is what you want to get, <laughs> you can, you know, you can ask for it. You can like feel what it would be like to have all that money. And it doesn't have to be a negative thing because we all have to, you know, live our daily lives. So if you're making music, you're allowed to say, I'm, you know, this is what it's going to feel like to write three hit songs and, you know, get a record contract with worth X amount of money or, you know, whatever that it's like, it's okay to have that be a part of it. For sure. For sure. Yeah. That's a great point. I love how you just really actually with two points that you made. Um, the first one was about just doing what you love and the money will come. But the second point that you, that you made was about manifestation. And I am so with you on that. I think that people really underestimate the power that we have. I mean, listen, to an extent, things that are meant to be will be. And I'm not saying that, you know, you could manifest wings and fly. Like, that's ridiculous. People have to be um, practical about it. But at the same time, we really could attract so much abundance into our lives. No matter what we're doing, there's room for it. There's, yes. you know. Yeah. I mean, look at you. I think you're amazing what you've done I mean it's pretty I mean and just a lot of synchronicities that went with it to create your brand that is so timely right now right it's just it's true be, yeah yeah listen and be open and like who knows what's going to fall in your lap once you open yourself up to what you're really supposed to be doing so true I know yeah thank you by the way for saying that um yeah it's interesting um because I I've seen definitely when I've opened myself up to different opportunities, things just come my way, things that I didn't expect. I'm just like, God, bring the abundance, however you want to bring it. And then random opportunities come my way and stuff. And it's just, I didn't ask for that in particular, but the universe has a plan. God has a plan and they, it just brings it to you. Right. Yeah. So don't have any closed doors because right. <laughs> that's when the real magic happens. I think when you're open to it, right? Totally. And it's so interesting that, that you that you brought that up about um, being open to different things, because I think that sometimes as other as women, but it's really anyone, um, sometimes we tend to block our box ourselves in to different things. So like, please make like God just make this happen for me so I could make X amount of money or make this happen to me so I could find, or, you know, find my partner and like, but the truth is, we'll, oh, just ask for the end result and right. God will, will bring it however he wants to bring it. Yes. It, yes. It might come in a very sneaky way that you could right. have never imagined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that you brought that up because that's so important. I don't think enough people re recognize that. No. Yeah. I like that. And it's hard. It's really hard when you want something so badly and you're trying to, to make it happen. But we just have to, that, that's part of being human. We have to like, let go, let go, you know? It's the hardest thing to do, I think, right? Sure. Yeah. To trust. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to to your book because there's a whole story there. I would love for you to share it with us. 
Okay, so um, sort of in the back of my mind is I still wanted to be a writer. I couldn't figure out what it was. Being an environmental consultant, I was basically writing very technical papers about uh, nuclear waste and Superfund sites and nothing very exciting to me anyway. And I did a lot of journaling and stuff, but I I couldn't figure out like, okay, now I know I want to write a fiction book, but I don't know what it's going to be about. And then when I was in my 40s, my best friend called to tell me that she found her son hanging and he was 12 years old. And it really just completely shattered me because she and I had been brought up very spiritually to believe that death is just part of a bigger life cycle. It's not far from the end. It's just part of this wheel. And because he was 12, I guess, we just couldn't understand what he had already done on the planet that would make any sense that he would have left already. And then because it looked like a suicide, it was really horrible, especially at the funeral when everyone was coming up to her and only her, not her husband and saying, well, why didn't you get him into therapy if he was so depressed or why wasn't he on any kind of medication? And the truth was he was a very happy, seemingly well-adjusted boy with lots of friends. He was very sports oriented. There was no reason to think that he would take his life. So it was just shocking. And I felt like the worst friend, because I couldn't think of anything to say to make take her out of this pain or to make this any better for her and I could see her spiraling further and further down so it was very difficult so one day I was um, out skating on a lake and I don't know why but there was this dead deer that was half embedded into the ice and for some reason I just stood there and stared at this deer and all of a sudden I could hear her son speaking to me just like and I had never heard anyone that had passed on speak to me before. So it was quite a shock. Um, and he was very uh, pragmatic telling me that my journal entries about his death should be my novel. And then I really needed to think about that. And so I did. And if I, you know, the days I didn't write, I heard from him. He was very insistent that, you know, I keep on this. So it took me a long time. And although the stories are not, um, at all alike, um, the cause of death is, and I will just say it's a mystery, so I don't want to say anything, but it's, it, it wasn't suicide. It wasn't what it looked like and what, what it was deemed by the pathologist. Um, it's another kind of death, a death that's becoming increasingly prominent thanks to TikTok. Um, but it's really a younger sister trying to deal with her brother's death. He was her soulmate and she doesn't understand how someone that she was so close to would have taken his life. So she thinks there has to be another explanation. And she's sort of on her own with her best friend trying to interview anyone you talked to to see if there is anything that they possibly didn't know about him. And he, the boy was very into Inuit wisdom. So the book goes into a bit of that. And like all, pretty much all or most every indigenous um, tribe on the planet they have a belief that you can when you pass away you can go into other beings including animals so there's a wolf in my book that may or may not be her brother um <laughs> and it's just sort of her coming to terms with her brother's death and to all the spiritual beliefs that she used to have and getting back to understanding it in a 
in a better light. And, you know, once again, believing in spirituality and believing that her brother is always with her. He never really went away. She just can't physically touch him or see him, but he's there. Wow. That sounds really cool. I really want to read this book. I do. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. So, so how did you decide how much fiction and how much real, you know, how much accuracy to, to put in the book? So the story just started coming to me. Um, the protagonist, her name is Bean and she, like, I, I don't know if it's really a voice, but I could see her really clearly from the beginning um, and her confusion and wanting to understand death better. And it went through a zillion right rewrites because when I started listening to the brother talking to me, I had a lot of other people who had passed on that wanted to talk and I would give them space in the book and then just realize, you know, after listening to a while for a while, like they have no reason to be in this book. I need to get rid of you. I need to wipe you out. <laughs> Maybe I'll write another book about you, but it's not going to be this one. <laughs> so it was a constant kind of redirect. And finally I got a book coach, which I didn't even know a person existed. Oh. And she really helped me because she made me outline the book, which I'd never done before. And it had become really way too large to ever get published, especially as a first time author. Um, so she would out, I had to outline the book and basically every chapter was sort of like, what, what's the circumstance that happens in that chapter? How is it resolved? And what's the next leading circumstance that's going to draw you to the next chapter? And every sentence had to either further describe a character, the setting or a scene. And that, that gets rid of a lot of stuff. <laughs> I also was not young adult originally, and it is now. So it started out uh, a girl who was getting her MFA and she, they didn't want to give her her MFA because she was not developing characters as deeply as she wanted to. And they could tell that she was shut down. Mm -hmm. And that, and so I had her flashing back to her brother's death and knowing that she never really resolved that within herself. And I had sent it to a few agents and got more than a few that said, if this was a YA book, I would buy it. You know, if you kept her at 15 and made everything happen in real time, it'll be a much better story. And at first I was like throwing my hands up in there. It's basically, you, you're telling me to throw out this entire book because it's a whole different voice having and the girl was like 25 and now she's 15. Oh, wow. yeah. So I had to go back and read a bunch of YA books, which are actually really good these days. They're very, uh, they're very deep and they're talking about real stuff. Not like the, the ones that I read when I was that right. age. So that was fun. And then, yeah, I just found, I finally found my voice and could carry on and uh, having this book couch at my side who kind of just whipped me into shape. That helped a lot too. That's really cool. Yeah, it can't be easy trying to speak in a voice of someone who is so much younger than you because you have to really get into their heads. Right. And by the time it was finally happening, my kids were even much older than that. So they weren't even helpful to me. I couldn't even <laughs> use their voices. <laughs> right, right. So, so how, did you decide, how did you determine finally that it was ready in terms of the 15-year-old the voice? It was just something like as soon as... I wrote a few sentences in this new voice. I knew that 
that it was her and that she was real. Um, she's very precocious for her age. She's just, I guess she's like everything I wish I had been at 15, you know, enlightened, worldly, just understood things way beyond her age and was always willing to dive deep into herself to figure out more layers about herself. Mm. And I think, wow, I wish I had been like her at 15. I would have, yeah, I wish I hadn't been scared and, you know, doubtful of myself and. Like we all were. Yes. yes. <laughs> Not our normal teenage. Yes. You know, teenage um, wow. Okay. So what was I going to ask you? shoot I, I forgot so I'm writing things down by the way so in case you could see things I don't forget um but in real life did he have a sister he did oh okay he had a sister and another brother okay cool and I did think of like contacting the sister um but it was still so painful for the family I just don't you know my my best friend gave me her blessing you know go ahead write about this and at the time that I started writing she thought it was a suicide she had no idea so when the when she finally figured out the whole thing it just was like oh my god I have the ending to my book <laughs> thank you because I didn't really know where I was going with this so yeah it was just this weird like one of those things like if you just put yourself out there and I believed in him that I should just start writing and I kept saying, but I don't even know where it's going. I don't even know what my story is. What am I, what am I telling anybody? But just having faith that it was going to get somewhere was hugely helpful. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Mindset is everything. Yes. I mean, if, if you believe in yourself, you'll keep trying and, and working to get it somewhere. So, and it's obviously a great book. So, you know. Thank you. <laughs> and I kept like writing in a vacuum because I wasn't telling anybody I was writing because it seemed like so presumptuous of me to say to anybody that I was writing a novel like who am I I've never I've written technical work my whole life like what makes you think you can do that so I wasn't even like telling my husband my kids my best friends like I was just sneaking and sort of writing it and it wasn't until I had to finally say okay you know this is good like you can put it out to the world now you can tell those closest to you, this is what I'm doing. And I'm going to get an office and I'm going to show up every day and I'm going to put the hours in so that I really can say I did this and not sneak around and not trust that I could do this, I guess. Right. Wow. Good for you. That's dedication. I mean, right yeah. to the office. That's like the real thing. You're, you're going That's for real. it. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here's my question. How did your, how does your friend feel about the book? She says it's helped her a lot. Like she saw things in it that helped her with getting back to believing in spirituality and believing that he's with her. And I have lots of, you know, book suggestions at the end of my novel about, you know, if you want to learn more about signs, I mean, signs are just like the best way we have to know that those around us that have passed away are still with us and you can ask for them and you can be really direct about what you want them to send you but then you have to be open enough that when it's right in front of you you're not dismissing it and not believing in it and you have to say thank you when you get these signs so they know and appreciate that there's a communication going on so i think it's just it's such a 
refreshing to know that there is really no end. Absolutely. And I'm thinking the next book I might write might be an equal. So it's written by someone else at the exact same time. So the brother's story of being, I don't want to say having, cause I don't really believe in having it in hell, but he's, he's, he's somewhere out there and he's able to see what's going on on the earth. And so he has to watch like the suffering his sister's going through and his mother and his brothers and understands it like on a deeper level. Um, and I can't really find books that have been written like that. So it would be kind of fun to approach it from there. I yeah. don't know. That would be, yeah, that would be really cool. I mean, this whole, what, what is this genre? Um, mystery, like oh, YA mystery. Um, it could be considered um, magic real, or what's it, magical oh, realism. Oh. Yeah, like only because of some things that happen, but yeah. Cool. So how, how does your family feel about this? I know you mentioned, well, when we spoke last week, you mentioned that you have a daughter. Yeah, so I have th four kids, um, three boys and a daughter. So um, yeah, when they finally got it, my nobody in my family reads and it kills me because it's like what I spend most of my time doing. So um, my kids were very slow to read it. It took them a while, but when they did, they like each one of them called me up like crying, like, I can't believe you wrote this. And I can't believe there's that, there's all this stuff going on in your head that I knew nothing about. Um, yeah, so that was kind of fun. Um, and then my husband's family, we, we went on a vacation for his mom's 80th birthday and I brought copies of the book that was, it hadn't been released yet, but it was, you know, really nerve wracking because they were sitting around the pool all with a copy of my book and no one was, there, there was like no feedback. And I was just like going through days of this. And finally someone would finish and be like, oh my God, like Martha. And just like astounded since I'd kind of still, even though I told people I was doing it, I think it took so long that people didn't really think I was ever going to finish it. So <laughs> I, and I think the content really wasn't something they, you know, and they didn't know me on that level. So really talking about my spiritual side so often. Yeah. So it was really, it's been very rewarding and rewarding hearing from people because now that I'm doing podcasts all the time, I do, I get a lot of feedback on my website when people reach out to me to say, you know, my wife died six years ago and this is the first thing that really helped me. Or, you know, I started from your book, I started being able to communicate with my brother or, you know, those are the things that are just like, oh, thank you. You know, if you help one person deal with it, deal with death, then you feel good about it because my book is all about, well, what you really need to do is move to a place of gratitude and growth from a death because grieving kind of keeps you in like a downward spiral. Whereas you want to be like, okay, I was lucky enough to have this person in my life for two years, five years, 20 years, 50 years, 80 years. Like, what did I get from having that soul in my life? Like how many gifts was I given to have that person in my life and how different would my life look like if they hadn't been in it and hadn't passed down some wisdom to me and things like that. So that's what I hope people walk away from, just like feeling, shifting their thoughts about death a little, that it's not final and that you were given 
that gift of that life. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because people who are religious, you know, like in my community, we, we do believe that there's life after death and that your soul lives on. And um, I know like there are other religions who believe the same thing. And even people who are not religious believe that, you know, but then there are people who just, who don't believe it. So it's interesting how, how they would approach your book, you know, how, how they would think yes. about it. Because that's, it's really hard if you really think that that's the end. I mean, yeah. you know, it makes <laughs> death really scary, right? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like almost pointless. Like what's the point? Right. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Did you write what actually happened at the end of your book or did you really keep it like a fiction book that you didn't tell anybody that it's based on a real story? I tell you that it's based on a real story and it is in my book. So, so you wrote like what actually happened, like in the, somewhere in the back? Like not like word for word, but a similar situation happened to my girlfriend that happens in the book. Okay, cool. I was curious about that because I actually read a book recently where um, it was based on a true story. And then after he wrote in the back, like he summarized, like, so this, what happened to this person in real life was this, and this person was, you know what I mean? So it's interesting. Yeah. It's my, my, because it doesn't really follow other than the cause of death. There isn't anything that's the same really at all. Um, I think it points out that we all, we all grieve differently, right? The doc, you know, the main character in my book doesn't want to believe that it was a suicide and feels devastated. The mom doesn't really get out of bed. She's really in a difficult place. She thinks her two brothers and her other brothers have just moved on from the whole situation, but they're all grieving in their own way. She just cannot, she's being very judgmental about everyone else's <laughs> grief, um, which is kind of another lesson, right? We all, we all have our own way to process things. It's true. I think a lot of people can relate to that as well. Sometimes we do tend to, to judge other people's grief and the way people are reacting to, to different situations when in essence, it's really none of our concern and we right. we're grieving differently or we, we feel differently and that's okay. Everybody has their okay. own way. Right. Yeah. That's, that's great. There's so many lessons in this episode. <laughs> so many. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so I'm curious to know what challenges have you had to overcome during your journey of book writing? Um, so submitting it to agents is a horrible process. Uh, <laughs> it's not fun. I'm not very good at rejections. Probably most writers aren't. Um, I think my book was sort of hard for them to categorize too. And if they can't figure out what category, they can't figure out what publisher is going to publish it. So I had probably gone to, I'd probably written like 50, 60 agents. And every time you write to an agent, you have to, you have to look up you know, what are the things that they publish? So you can say, my novel is much like this one, this one, and this one, or I know your sister because we went to college together. You have to have some angle in the first sentence, or that's probably as far as that letter is going. Um, and everybody wants a different format. You know, some people want a PDF of the entire book. Some people want the first two chapters. Some people want the first chapter and the last chapter. So it's, it takes so long just to write, the, to figure out what agents might be good for your book, to 
to narrow it down to learn everything you can about them. So your query letter, which is what is called what you attach your portion of your book to, is exactly the way that they wanted it. So you know that everyone wants it in different font and format, and you know they're just looking for a reason to throw it out. So you know, and I'd listen to enough agents and assistants talk about you know, they have slush piles that are just all over their offices, things that'll never get read. And it's disheartening because I see how hard it is to write a book and you're just like, oh my God, these are like, you know, your little baby and you're putting it out and someone's just completely dismissing it. Not even, I got, you know, answer rejections like so quickly. There's no, there's no way they could have even read the letter, let alone any portion of my book. Um, And then I went to a lecture talking about that, you know, sort of the, the old publishers, it's been a very old guy's market for a very long time. And they've pretty much done the same thing, except times have been worse and worse and worse. So they've really cut down on the marketing budget um, and the sales budget. And so a lot of them want you to put in the query letter, who do you know and how are you going to get this book marketed? So if you could say like, Oprah and I are like that, and she's promised me she's putting me on her show, you know, you would get an agent in two seconds. Um, but if you don't know any resources and have no way really to get this book out, you know, or you could say, I've got 300,000 Instagram followers or, right, or I've got a huge following on Facebook or TikTok or something, you have some platform for getting this out, they're not very interested in you. Um, as, you know, this is all like first time author stuff. Like once you have an agent and it, your book sells well, it will be easier the next time. So I went to a lecture and it was talking about all the different ways. So there's at the one end, the old publishing houses at the other end, there's self-publishing and self-publishing is hard because a lot of places won't take a self-published book. I mean, they don't want it on their shelves. They don't want it wasting space um, because there's no budget behind it to try to do the sales. And then in between is hybrid. So I went with a hybrid publisher. You have to get chosen. You still have to find one of their agents that likes your book. And the way they did it was, I think they, they said there were six people who are going to read my book. Four of them had to say yes before it went to the next stage. And luckily all six of them really liked it. And so it went to the next stage really quickly. And then you can pick. So if you actually did have marketing resources, you didn't have to buy the marketing package or you could buy it you know, I'd like to buy the podcast. Maybe you get me 50 podcasts, but I don't need to do like Instagram sales with you or book giveaways or anything like that. So you can pick and choose what you want from them. Um, if you're a good editor and you don't really feel like you need their editing, you could bypass that. So you can just use what you want. And the biggest difference of hybrid and self-publishing is that you own it. So I, my dream and still, this is what I'm... <laughs> imagining and visioning on my um, vision board is that it gets picked up to be a movie. Um, and if I had gone with a regular publisher, I wouldn't get necessarily any money because they would own the rights to my book so they could do whatever they wanted to. So it's a huge plus in that way that you still own all rights to it and you can decide where you wanna put it and what you wanna do with it. And yeah, I like that control. For sure. Yeah. That's really cool. That makes total sense. Did you have to copyright the book before you sent it to the publisher to read or the agent to read? No, usually when the age, when an agent or the publishing house takes it, they take care of that for you. 
hybrid or otherwise. I don't know what they do for self-publishing, but yeah. And it's I, it seemed like a really simple step. I, then they wrote, sent me a letter. I had to sign it. Off it went. So. Yeah. Right. It's probably like any other, you know, copywriting trademark situation. And especially like, I think for a book, especially, it seems like it would be easier just because there's no way you copy anyone else's. It's like your book from your head as opposed to like a logo or a right. uh, slogan or whatever. So it might be out there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any advice for aspiring authors who are trying to get published? I would say, talk, don't be afraid to talk about, talk about your book in front of people because human connection is everything. So if someone, you know, you're at a cocktail party and you start talking and you say, my book is about this. I'm trying to find somebody. You never know who's in the room that's going to be like, my aunt is looking for that kind of book. That sounds perfect for her. And just, you know, follow up on every one of those resources because those kind of personal connections make it a lot easier than trying to go completely cold to an agent. For sure. Yeah, it's really about who you know. That's what they always yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sadly. <laughs> sadly, it's true. Yeah, but you can also like become, I think people sometimes underestimate um, relate, relationship building. Yes. You know, and it obviously has to be done in, a, in an authentic way because no one wants to be used. But there are ways, you know, commenting on people's posts. Yes, that's a huge one, actually. So yeah, find out all the different blogs and posts that are about the kind of books that you like to read also and constantly make positive comments um, so that you, yeah, you're, you're, you're in there, your voice starts to get known, people start responding to you. So yeah, when you finally have your book out there, you already have this huge audience that's already been kind of listening to you and believes in you. For sure. Yeah. It's great advice. Is there anything else that I left out that you want to share? So all the proceeds from my book go to my Wolf Center, nywolf.org. Um, and our Wolf Center is amazing. So if you're ever in New York, we're just like an hour a way easy to get to with public transportation. We have anywhere from 35 to 50 wolves at a time. Uh, we're doing great things. We're a breeding and pre-release facility for the Mexican and gray wolf and the red wolf. Um, they're the two most critically endangered wolves in North America and the only ones that are still covered under the Federal Endangered Species Act. Very nice, that, that's, that's great. Okay, so let me ask you the question that I ask everyone at the end, which is, what is something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? Well, I think it's that just trying to figure out what your path is and being authentic to that and not being afraid. And I, I know it's a lot to ask because when you're young, you're so full of insecurities. But I think a lot of that insecurity, yeah, it's, you know, it's terrible now with the media and everything else. So like when you're feeling really good about yourself, write a personal statement. I had to write recently for another writing project. You had to write a letter to your 13 year old self. That was a really interesting exercise to like realize how many negative things I constantly said to myself, you know, I was just, and I was writing this letter with such empathy, like boy, I'm so sorry that, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't fill you with more positive and reinforce your beliefs and things and let you know how special you are and that there's only one of you. And yeah, you're unique and you've got talents that no one else has. And 
it's not going to make sense in these teen years because not a whole lot does, but you know, you're going to grow up and just the more authentic you can possibly be. If you figure out what makes you tick, what makes you excited and you follow that, you just cannot go wrong. So true. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Sure. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? So MarthaHuntHandler.com. That's got, yeah, you can buy my book there. You can learn more about me. You can read some of my blog posts. And then if you want to see our wolves, you can go to nywolf.org where all the proceeds of my book are going. And we have video cams of a bunch of different wolves. So it's really fun to watch them. It's, uh, yeah, (laughs) it's pretty addicting. I warn you, (laughs) pretty fun to watch wolves playing with each other all day. Yeah, that sounds cool. Okay, great. All of Martha's information is going to be in the show notes as well. So um, head over to our show notes for a direct link to our website. So Martha, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so nice. So nice. I was glad. I'm so glad that I met you a couple weeks ago. That was really That's cool. all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 